Yeah, and he was kind of distraught when he found out that Walter Matthau had been cast because his. Or, wow. Let me, yeah, Walter, where the fuck did that come from? All right, let's shoot this fucker. It seems to be a sudden general explosion of mass homicide. Mr. Lagosi, you must lead such an exciting life. When is your next picture coming out? I have no next picture. You gotta be joking. A great star like you, you must have dozens of them lined up. Back in the old days, yes. Now no one gives two fucks for a bailout. But you're a big star. No more. I haven't worked in 40 years. This business, this town, it chews you up, then spits you out. Just an ex-boogeyman, an ex-boogeyman, an ex-boogeyman, an ex-boogeyman, an ex-boogeyman. Hi, I'm Candy the Flannel Girl. Carlo, sidekick. Fuck you! Carlo does not deserve to smell my shit. That limey cocksucker can run in hell for all I care. Yay. Yay. And I'm Sean of the Dead. Listen, hit the bars, work some parties. Get me transvestites. I need transvestites. <laughs> and if you couldn't tell by now, tonight we are doing a new feature called Horror Business, where we're doing uh, some non-horror titles that have four tie-ins. And the first one is Ed Wood from 1994, directed by Tim Burton. Tonight we have Dave Gurman. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time, but it wasn't until I saw your movie that I realized I have to take action. Goodbye, penis. <laughs> why if i had half a chance i could make an entire movie using this stock footage the story opens on these mysterious explosions nobody knows what's causing them but it's upsetting all the buffalo so the military are called in to solve the mystery you forgot the octopus no no i'm saving that for my big underwater climax and we have returning family member uh dino nightmare nerd ryan so constrictive, I can't fold my arms. The most uncomfortable coffin I've ever been in. <laughs> yes. Nice. You guys are amazing. Yeah, all of you. Thank you. Uh, I want to start off this conversation because if you took me in, into a situation where you put a gun to my head and said, Candy, only one movie that's your favorite movie, because you know I have like 10 in my number one spot, 20 in my number two spot, whatever. You put a gun to my head, it would be Ed Wood. Ed Wood is my favorite film. This time in my life was very interesting. I remember seeing this film with my mother. Um, it just blew me away. Everything was so great. And I was always into classics anyway, but Martin Landau as Bella Lugosi was just fucking masterful. And so he rightfully got the, um, this, this movie got two Oscars. But he rightfully got the Best Supporting Actor Oscar for this. Yeah, this film means everything to me. Um, I'm very fascinated with Ed Wood. Uh, I loved uh, the vampire, you know, mythos that are in there, um, who also had a very interesting life. They should make a movie just about her. 
yeah, so this is uh, also Tim Burton's favorite of his films. This is his first R-rated film. There's just a lot of great things that came together and made this film magical. So to me, like, I just, I'm just throwing the gauntlet out. This is my favorite movie. This is one of the best movies I've ever seen. And for me, you know, I mean, first off, I have to give props to, you know, the hostess with the mostess over here. Um, I didn't really watch a whole lot of films that didn't include skateboards, boobs, or blood before she came along. Things in life. And, right, all the best <laughs> things. And uh, she introduced me to a whole bunch of classics, both horror and non-horror. Um, and this was one of them. And she told me this was her favorite film, you know, when she first introduced it to me. And the night that we watched it, like, I didn't know fuck all about Ed Wood Jr. I didn't know anything about Bride of the Monster, uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space, any of the films that he had done. I didn't know anything about him. And, you know, watching that film and all of the masterful performances within that film, I mean, I've seen Tim Burton films before. And I've seen Tim Burton films with Johnny Depp before. And you put those two together and – you know, they're they're amazing. They do great work together. And then Martin Landau is is Bella Lugosi. You got my man George the Animal Steel yes. <laughs> up in here, who I grew up watching in the ring. Right, the turnbuckle. You know, with his with his green tongue and and all this shit. I mean, this the movie just it blew me away and I I learned enough about Ed Wood that I I wanted to dive in more. So of course through her love with Mystery Science Theater I got to see some more Ed, you know, Wood movies and shit, and you know, it's just it, for me, it was it was a really great film, and you know, I appreciate you for for turning me on to it, and uh, yeah, I loved it. So glad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The um, I I gotta say, um, unfortunately, until recently, as this weekend, this was my favorite film about film and filmmaking it was unsurped by uh irma vep uh which is a fantastic movie uh french film about uh film and filmmaking but uh this i got i gotta say that um when i was a young kid i always loved movies uh i i wanted to get into movies since i was a young boy and uh i thought i wanted to be a screenwriter i was gonna write scripts and all that stuff until i saw ed wood and Ed Wood was the movie where I looked at it and said, I want to do that. I want to do what he's doing. I want to, I want to make the movie. And, uh, yeah, I eventually uh, got my own camera, started making movies, of course, with uh, my brother Mac, the all-star, uh, who isn't here, unfortunately. And, um, yeah. But, uh, yeah, this is the film that, that turned me out into filmmaking, and I wanted to explore every asset of it, just, just making movies on my own and stuff. And, it's still it's still a beautiful film about filmmaking, even though uh, he's been deemed the worst director of all time, which I disagree with. Uh, I, I do too. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, you still got Uva Bowl out there. Uh, <laughs> no shit, no <laughs> shit. Yeah, uh, even though uh, I, I don't I don't think he's he, he himself has made uh, like every movie he's made is bad. Uh, I still like Tunnel Rats, <laughs> um, but the house of the dead and alone in the dark woof oh. uh, <laughs> yeah but uh yeah I, I this is a glorious film with uh probably my favorite performance from uh mr johnny depp um who's who's an incredible actor um he sees some hard times recently but uh his his performance in this is uh unmatched uh throughout his entire career 
especially that 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 uh, it, I I love the how what was it uh, the the enthusiasm of the Tin Man uh, mixed with uh, Casey Kasem as the, as a way he uh, <laughs> you know to try to, to convey the performance of uh, of uh, Ed Wood. Yeah, I think he I think he said there was a little Ronald Reagan in there too. Yeah, yeah, Ronald Reagan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, really, Make really, worst film you ever saw. Well, my next one will be better. Hello. Hello. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, 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 it made me admire Ed Wood as a filmmaker, even though his films are just, you know, I mean, they're, you know, they get that title so, so bad it's good, you know, and it's like, I don't really, you know, you, you enjoy a film on its own merits, whether you, you know, it, the, the production is shoddy or whatever, you know. I still enjoy watching like The Room, even though The Room is by all accounts terrible, you know. And I, I feel the same thing about Ed, you know. Ed, uh, he he didn't have much as far as talent, but he did have enthusiasm. He did believe in what he was doing, and it shows in the film, and it's you know it, it's greatly shown in this movie. Yeah, I agree, uh, Dave. This is the movie I put on when I want to smile, like when I feel the need to smile and, and chuckle a lot. And I'm so glad Rob used that line about um, worst film you've ever seen. Well, my next one will be better because isn't that life? That's life. That's yeah. how each and every one of us gets up every single day. And this movie is about that. It's about this guy who, you know, is surrounded by these sort of cast of lovable losers and they get together and they're trying to create something bigger than themselves. And, you know, uh, you've got the cinematographer who's colorblind. And you've got, you know, uh, um, you know Johnny Depp with his – or not uh, – Edward with his Angora fetish. But it's there's a, a, a familial feel between them, their family. But like you get the impression that all of these um, ancillary characters stick with Ed because they're family. They want to help him achieve his vision like when they're filming out on the streets for – uh, Glenn or Glenn and oh shit we don't have a we don't have a permit run and they all just, and they're all, and they're all just like oh shit here we go like they've all been through this a thousand times before and like when they have to go steal the octopus everyone's on board I love a little larceny you know they, they just love that's what I love about this the feeling of just a bunch of a bunch of people coming together to uh, you know to try to achieve something even though none of them have any specific talents apparently on their own together they are more and they've, you know, created some films which have brought me some joy. Uh, Plan 9 from Outer Space. I love watching every minute of that film. I just love it. Stupid, stupid. <laughs> Your stupid mind. <laughs> and, and Bride of the Monster, too. Yeah, this, yeah. this is, the, again, this is the movie I put on when I want to smile. Yeah. Don't, yeah. don't, don't forget Glenda Glenda. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> I have some notes on that film. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny that, going back to Rob, what you mentioned about The Room, uh, because I see some similarities between Tommy Wiseau and Ed Wood, you know, in like the fact that like, I think he knew he, you know, maybe in his mind, it was like this amazing picture, but oh, yeah. it turned out and everybody shit on it. And he just went with it and, right. and he loved it. And it turned into this cult thing. And I see similarities. Uh, you know, we, we've read the book, uh, the disaster artist, uh, you know, about his, you know, making of the film and everything. And the fact that he, went and and actually bought all of the camera equipment not not leased it or rented it like a normal filmmaker would but bought like millions of dollars worth of of camera equipment with his mysterious money to make this film and and (laughs) i think it was because he really didn't know any better 
You know what I'm saying? Like, goddamn, he's going to make a movie. Yeah, it's it's, it's hubris combined with naivete. It's like when he bought that billboard in Hollywood advertising this film for years. And, like, no one had ever heard of this movie. And he's like, the greatest, you know, drama. Who the fuck is this guy? Why did you do that, Denny? Why? (laughs) Who got killed? (laughs) I can only watch the Rift Tracks version. I've tried to watch the regular one, and I want to just gouge my eyeballs. But the Rift Tracks version is fucking great. No, I, I watched the whole thing completely. I've never watched the Rift Tracks version. I watched oh the whole God, thing. Oh, my God, no. Why? You, <laughs> sat, you sat through the room unrift? Yes. Oh, yes. my and, man. Linda, Linda, Linda unrift, and um, yeah, I have the, the funny thing about the room is that all, the first 20 minutes and the last 15 minutes are the only part of the movie that has a plot, and everything in between, <laughs> yeah. is, just, like, everything in between is just nonsense. Nope. It's, it's just softcore porn and weird football yeah. throwing. And, and that... <laughs> scenes are so awkward because or then like the or then like the whole scene where the mother is like talking about like her right. cancer diagnosis and it's like what like i have, I have whiplash now <laughs> like, oh well that's a thing we know yeah like, we can spend time talking about the rips yeah, but yeah it was a neat little footnote um daniel what do you have to say about this one you know, when I look back, this really was almost like it's trademark Tim Burton, but it was kind of a step out of what you expected of him at the time. Yes. You know, up to now, he had done like really dark comedies like Pee Wee's Big Adventure or Beetlejuice. He'd done dark adventures like the Batman movies. This was it's still like a comedy, but it has its foray into more drama, which was pretty out of character for Tim Burton at the time. And also, I would say this is where Johnny Depp really went to the next level in his career. I mean, he was an established actor up to now, but this really was his chance to spread his wings and show what he could do. And, yeah. and you can tell they did their homework, and Tim Burton and Johnny Depp both genuinely have affection for Ed Wood and his work because they really put their heart and soul into it. And, of course, there's just that legendary scene of Wesley the Octopus. Who could forget that? Right. <laughs> yeah. but, and, and I think it was uh, Ed Wood's wife, uh, came on the set when Johnny Johnny Depp steps out of the trailer and she's like, "That's my Eddie." Yeah. You know, so, you know and 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 Tim Burton was really nervous, you know, with her being on set because he was like, "Oh my God, she's not going to approve." Yeah. Um. Tim very much barred anybody from referring to him as the worst director on set. He didn't want to hear it at all. Like, no, no, no. That uh, he he's not the worst director. And you got to appreciate Tim for that, you know. Well, um, actually, that's where I want to jump in. Um, actually, there's a lot of comparisons between Tim Burton and Ed Wood, and you can tell that he has a genuine affection for Ed Wood. Um, I think Tim Burton is a version of Ed Wood. I mean, he's more successful. He's got more talents. He's got the bigger budgets. But he yeah. does very similar things. He has, like, the stable of actors, the same actors that he uses all the time. Um, you know, like Lisa Marie, who... Uh, Tim Burton was with for this film and um, all the films she was in with him before he was he married Helena Bonham Carter. Um, she played vampire. She did a great job playing vampire. Um, and I have a note on vampire in just a second because vampire is a fascination of mine. But mm-hmm. um, all of that was born from this movie. But um, Tim Burton is just a bigger budget, more talented version of Edward, and that's where the love comes from. Because if you think about Tim Burton films and you put them next to Edward films, and and Tim Burton's such an eccentric guy. I mean, I just really think he shines 
um, in doing this film. The love is there. The respect is there. The respect that Ed didn't get in his life. Um, you know, he was able to bring that to this film and make us love somebody who was named the worst director of all time. And and obviously, Tim doesn't think that because he knew that, that Ed had a big heart and um, was really trying. He really was trying to make these great films or, you know, these wonderful things and just be a director, be, you know, like Orson Welles, his, his uh, you know, his idol, his idol, his hero, who we get like a neat little cameo from Vincent D'Onofrio playing him. But um, I did want to say about Vampyra, um, Vampyra, um, Myla Nurmi, she, uh, she's been dead for a couple years now, but she came out and said she hates Ed Wood, um, you know, because they had the reactions from all the people uh, to the film. Um, it was a, a documentary I saw years ago because I just ate up everything I could relating to Ed Wood, relating to the film, relating to all of this. But she was like, I was not friends with Ed. And and I think that that comes across pretty well in Lisa Marie's performance. Um, <laughs> she she was friends with Chris Well. And she's like, she, he was one of my dearest friends. And because he was friends with Ed, sometimes I was around there. And then, you know, like when she has to show up for Plan 9 and she's just like, oh, fuck. Oh my God! Oh, not him! I don't want to speak. Can I not speak? Maybe right. speak what? in a silent role. And he's like, "Fuck! <laughs> I need somebody to talk in this movie." And it's got to be Tor, who had a really strong Swedish accent, who also Georgie and will steal my my grandpa's favorite wrestler. Thank you. May they rest in peace, both of them. Um, yeah, uh, he actually learned. Uh, he worked with a, a vocal coach to get the the accent down, and which I thought he nailed. And also, Rob, I just think it's really interesting that a film about a failed filmmaker has inspired you to make films and inspired so many other people to make films. So I think Burden just like knocked it out of the park with this. So, I, I mean, I'm, I'm obviously I'm just only going to give glowing reviews here, but uh, that's just some of my thoughts. Uh, Dave? I'm glad we brought up the octopus scene because for me, uh, having seen uh, the original um, Bride of the Monster through Mystery Science Theater, that scene where he gets Bella Lugosi, and you have to remember, Bella Lugosi at one time was the ultimate—you know—he was the ultimate Hollywood star, and so he's fallen some, and now he's—you know—he's older. And that scene where he gets Bella to get into that puddle of water with that octopus, which they've forgotten the motor, and he—and he, he says, uh, so he gets in there and he thrashes about because they don't have the motor, so he has to pretend it's killing him. So he just grabs the legs. And thresh, and then if you go watch the original, that's actually what he's doing. That's yes. what Bella Lugosi is doing. Yes. He's just grabbing these rubber legs and thrashing about like it's killing him. And then there's that scene right after where he says to uh, to Ed Wood, "There's not a lot of guys I would do that for." That's going back to that really sweet sort of you know that that sort of lovable losers. And and this is um, where Ed Wood never achieved the great heights of Hollywood that he hoped for. Bella Lugosi had. He was. He was everything. He had made so much money for the studio and had fallen to such lows and he'd fallen in with these people who had given him another chance, his last sort of resurrection in his career. I just love that octopus scene. That 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 to me is the sort of linchpin scene in this film when he gets Bella Lagosi to climb into that murky, that like three inch deep puddle of water with a rubber octopus and thrash about. And if I could jump on that just for a moment, I really like what he says before. You know, because we talked about the the whiskey, uh, you know, and maybe it was previous to recording. You know, it tells me that whiskey. But, you know, and he's like, and, and, and he gets in there and he's like, fuck, it's cold, you know, whatever. And then he looks up at Ed and he, and he has this moment. And it always, like, hits me right in the chest where he's like, you know, I turned down the role of Frankenstein because I mm-hmm. thought it was sexy enough. 
and this is this is really what happened um and you know this there's this guy who was hooked on morphine demerol drinking formaldehyde because alcohol doesn't get him drunk um i mean just really on the skids but he's like i turned every i turned all this down and now this is my life and you know he's like this is my chance and i i'm just gonna make the most of it but it really gets me in the fields yeah and that's then, a tough and, he's scene. Like, and then as like you, know, you can see where he cares so much about Bet- what Bella's saying. He's like, dude, we got to get this shot. And so he's like torn as being a director and being a friend. And he's like, uh, oh, okay, Bella, God. you know, we got to get the shot. And he's like, let's shoot this fucker. Uh, Daniel. <laughs> well, um, so what you were talking about before with the whole Bela Lugosi thing, you know, that's that's something that I personally will always actually be thankful to the real Ed Wood for, because Bela is an icon. Yes. And, you know, and obviously, he is the definitive Dracula. Yes, without a doubt. Agreed. Yes. To know the hard times he had fallen on, and that the real Ed Wood gave him that final stab, where I think without Ed Wood, Bela would not have kicked his addiction. You know, yeah. those, right. those final like weeks of his life, he had finally beaten his addiction to opiates. He was healthy again, and ready to open a new chapter. And uh, we should all be eternally grateful to Ed Wood for that. Yeah, definitely. Always. Yeah, more Bella is always good. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I would be remiss uh, if I didn't mention uh, my man Rick Baker and the work that he did on this. Um, (laughs) Yeah, for practically nothing, um, because he was afraid that a lesser makeup artist would get their hands on this and not do Bella Lugosi the the way that it needed to be done. And he was kind of – yeah, and he was kind of distraught when he found out that Walter Matthau had been cast because his – Or, wow. That was a – Let me – yeah, Walter, where the fuck did that come from? No, Walter Matthau, also a treasure, but yeah. Wow. Grump, grumpy old okay. Hungarian. Right. <laughs> oh, Oscar, Oscar, Oscar. Let me uh, – I, I don't know. I, you have did you did you listen to the uh, um, did you uh, Rob did you listen to the uh, fuck what was the Event Horizon? God, my mind is lost. Have you listened to the Event Horizon episode? Not the whole thing. So did you hear the 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 early early in where where I said Wes Anderson and you? Oh you, yeah. <laughs> so so guess what? I get to do that in this one too. No. Uh, All right. You're the editor. You have all power. Yeah. So I don't even remember where I left off, but let me let me start over. Okay, I'll start over. Um, we would be remiss if we didn't mention Rick Baker uh, and the work that he did for Bella yeah. Lugosi. Um, he had uh, uh, fuck what? <laughs> His name? Martin, Mar- Land- Martin Landau. Martin. Rick Moranis. And- um, <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah, Martin Landau. Martin Landau. Uh, here, let me punch that in real quick. Martin Landau. <laughs> anyway, so so he had to do he had to do the chin and the lip because Martin Landau had had too much lip going on. Uh, Bella Lugosi practically had no upper lip. Yes. Um, and and had to do the nose. Um, and and ended up winning an Oscar for for the work that he did on this. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, this is Rick Baker. I mean, he's a you know, legendary yeah. makeup artist. And, uh, you know, shout out to him. Uh, and that was the second Oscar. Yeah. That 
and and the uh, the fact that they had to uh, um, he had actually done the makeup work, but it didn't turn out well because they were filming in black and white. So it had to go back and be redone in a much more pale uh, complexion so that it would show up better on the uh, the black and white. Yeah. Can I on that real quick? Uh, and he also had quite a task because uh, Bella Lugosi had a very round face and Martin Landau has a very long, thin face. So, you know, that's why the, the need of prosthesis. Um, and it was it was minimal. He was afraid that um, people would overdo it and ruin it, ruin the look. And I think what he did was masterful. It looks like Bella. It looks uh, genuine and, and, um, and definitely not overdone. Just perfect. Just just perfect. So, yeah. Uh, Daniel. Um, just touching on something that you would uh, talk before about how Tim Burton kind of is almost like the reincarnation of Ed Wood. When you think about it, Tim Burton just plain had opportunities that Ed Wood didn't have because of his his own career. Like Tim Burton did the internship with Disney. You know, yes. he had all these connections there. Ed Wood just jumped in both feet straight ahead. <laughs> right. And that's why he didn't have the kind of resources that Tim Burton ever did. So I, I feel there probably is an element of burden looking at Ed Wood and saying, you know what, if I hadn't followed the path I did, I'd have been Ed Wood. Yes, yes, very much so. Uh, Dave? Well, just to touch on the uh, the fact that he filmed this in black and white, uh, didn't he like have all sorts of troubles trying to get the, the original studio, didn't they dump it because he insisted? He actually walked off the project because Columbia Pictures insisted it be in color yeah. yeah. I, I'm sorry. I can't. I can't imagine this picture in color. This picture needs no. to be in black. And no, that's a great. That's another great. That's a great example. To yeah. do a black and white film, where now it is. It was not at the time. It was completely uh, ahead of its time. And and yeah, something I, that I thought was fucking amazing. We went back and watched the special features uh, on the DVD last night, and all the special features are in black and white as well. Mm-hmm. Which I thought was fucking awesome. That's the very first DVD I ever bought. Ever. Wow. Long time ago. Mine was Phantasm and Cyborg. I saw oh, that post the other day. I was going to yeah. comment that mine was Ed Wood. Because um, it was the very first movie I could think that I wanted to own when I could finally afford a DVD player in my 20s. And I bought Ed Wood. Because it's just been released on DVD. My first DVD was another Tim Burton. It was Sleepy Hollow. Oh, I love that movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We need to cover that. We need to cover that movie. Um, my daughter is a big Tim Burton fan. Uh, I was pregnant with her and I saw Sleepy Hollow. It's the first time she ever kicked. So it has a special feeling to me, that movie. It's very dear. All right, I just want to say, just to show how old I am, the first DVD I ever bought, The Matrix. That's how old <laughs> I am. It's one of the best soundtracks ever. Yeah. Yes. It was the first DVD that had like animated uh, menu choices, and I thought that was the. Co- I think I'm in the future now, baby. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Edward was my first choice, and they had just come out on DVD because DVD was just now becoming big. Everybody was getting them in their homes, so they released a special edition of it, and I bought it. That was the very first, and I still have that very first DVD. Through all the shit that I've been through since, since I was 21, 21 or whatever, um, that's the that's the DVD that stayed with me the entire fucking time. But you yeah, wanna, but my point was try to imagine this movie in color. It would be less. It would be it would be reduced. It would not be what it is. Yeah. So right. I, I'm so glad that Tim Burton stuck to his guns and got it in black and white. And it's such a rich. I'm watching it right now. It's such a rich, deep black and white. It's beautiful. It's a beautiful film. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Rob. Yeah. Um. If I could, we could stay on Tim Burton for a second. Uh. Sure. The t- Tim Burton. Um. I know that Candy's gonna hate me for saying this. Uh, I was the man- waiting for it. It's okay. 
No, it's <laughs> it, it, you know he's he's kind of a shell of his former self. I think he's just like a paycheck uh, filmmaker yeah, now. Yeah, um, that's obvious. I will agree. Yeah, like you know that. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Alice in Wonderland. That's just him kind of, I don't know. I don't want to say. I like Charlie and Chocolate Factory. <laughs> it's just like, I don't want to say running on fumes, but like, I don't, I don't feel like he's into it anymore. Um, you know. Got commercialized. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You know, he's, he's, he's kind of just like, yeah, whatever. You know, we got a good long run time. No, um, we did. We did. We did. We did that, you know, so we got some great shit. Big Fish is one of my favorite films as well. Right. Um, that was one of his last great films. Uh, sleep, yeah, Sleepy Hollow as well. I love I Sleepy, love Sleepy Hollow. Hollow. I love Sleepy um, Hollow. I, I meant to say when we were talking about the uh, buying DVDs, well, that, those were my first DVDs I ever bought. But my father, like, bought, like, he, he was a real technical guy. He loves technology. So he bought, like, uh, uh, 95, 96, he bought uh, a DVD player. It was a Mitsubishi DVD player. Like, <laughs> it was, like... I didn't even know they fucking. I only thought they made cars. I didn't even know they made shit like that. And, and he bought uh, three DVDs. The first three three DVDs he bought was Mortal Kombat, Total Recall, and Mars Attacks. Oh fuck yeah! Strong strong choices. Mars Attacks was the first DVD I ever watched. So yeah. you know, there I goes. That's a great experience. Yeah, I love Mars Attacks. Yeah. Yeah. That that that's. <laughs> That's that's how I keep in with uh, Tim right there. But uh, yeah, Tim, like his '90s was just extraordinary. Like Ed Wood, um, Batman Returns is uh, out of like. Adventure. Yeah, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Oh, that's of my fucking, that's, uh, You you and me you and me have talked on end about our love for uh, yeah. you know. Yeah. You and me have talked about our love for Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Uh, I went I went to a screening. It was a quote along for uh, uh, Pee Wee's Big Adventure in the theater. Yeah, I can do it. I can completely do that. Yeah, there, there was a lady who was sitting next to me. I guess she didn't realize it was a quote along, and I kept quoting along with the movie, and she was getting annoyed with me. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. the, oh, God, the, I, like, uh, I actually saw that um, when it, I cast out the drive-in when it came out, Pee-wee's Big Adventure, and it was like when it came out on VHS, like it was one of those, like, I'd rewind it and watch it again, rewind it, watch it again, rewind it, watch it again, because I was probably, I think it was eight. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who didn't want his fucking house? His body. Right, right. Twisted, burning wreck. It looked <laughs> like this. Yeah. And I skipped, excuse me, I was eight. Yeah. yeah. That's but a, I thought it was one of the best out of nowhere jump Tim scares Burton. ever. Yeah. It was prime Tim Burton, and then we got more of that for quite some time before it fell off. Yeah. They, we we've discussed that uh, it was Planet of the Apes where it was his fall off point. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> Rob, I just want you to know when I do Sean's shitty reviews, I've got a review just for you. <laughs> oh, I can't wait. I actually have some praise. Uh, if I can um, pop on our Instagram for a second for this film. When All right, hold on. Hold on. Let me finish my thought, though. Oh, but, okay. um, I didn't know you were done. I, I no, 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 no. That's fine. Um, the, uh, yeah, yeah. Yuck it up. Laugh it up, football. Yeah, but uh, we we were talking about like he's the reincarnation of Ed, but uh, you also got to appreciate his love for German expressionism in there, uh, especially with the shadows, which works beautifully in the black and white cinematography. Yes. Um, the the fact that that whole octopus scene that uh, he he you can tell he lit the scene with the car lights, which <laughs> yeah. is, which which is funny because that's exactly how they lit the scene in in uh, that movie. And and he 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 used the same technique to light that scene and it's beautiful. 
I mean, obviously they have more at their disposal, more money, so they could, you know, do it properly. Uh, you know, unfortunate for Ed, but uh, I, I think I wish he would have made more movies in black and white. You know, like because he yeah, seems so. So fit, so fitting for him, you know, to 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 you know experiment with black and white cinematography. I know, like his first, like you know, where he first burst on the scene with a uh, Frankenweenie, uh, his first short, we his first short film, uh, you know, he showed his prowess in in uh, in black and white cinematography. But like he really just you know expands on it with this movie, and it's just like it's one of the most gorgeously shot films. Like it's it's it really just like like uh, uh what's the word i'm looking for um really uh took my love for black and white cinematography for the next level because i love black and white movies uh i have a whole shitload of black and white movies that mac refused to watch back in the day because he refused <laughs> to watch black and white movies classics that added them in on the schedule when they redid it that's why i was that's why i was so i was so fucking mad and shit that uh sean recommended seven samurai i watched it like motherfucker i've been trying to get you to watch black and white movies and shit for the longest (laughs) you told me you told me go fuck myself and now you'll say you're gonna watch when this motherfucker recommends it okay all right because i I gotta say like what i like what i was saying at the beginning you know if it wasn't for candy there's a lot of films i would have missed you know what i'm saying like like a lot of the old black and white films I I love anything involving the mob or or the mafia or anything like that. I absolutely love and I read book after book after book about, you know, the real life crime families in New York and Detroit and Buffalo and all this stuff. And you know, if it wasn't for her, I probably would have never watched Angels with Dirty Faces mm. or, you know, Petrified oh. Forest or any of these classic, you know, Humphrey Bogart, James Cagney films. You know, that, oh, yeah. that now that I've watched and I'm like, oh, my God, what have I been fucking missing this whole time? It didn't have blood or boobs in it. Very persuasive. Yeah, she really is. And she she's not steered me wrong yet. Thank you. So, Thank you for that. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, most definitely. Most definitely. Uh, I, I'm with you on that with the, the old gangster movies. Uh, uh, Little Caesar. Oh, uh, white, I love Little Caesar. Eddie G. Yeah. Oh, he kills the, it. the Public Enemy. The mm-hmm. White Heat. White Heat. Uh, yep. Yeah. Roaring Twenties is the favorite. If you haven't seen it, Jimmy Cagney, Bogart. Oh, oh yeah. I was oh. telling Daniel Epler on the Kyle West podcast. I'm like, that was my favorite film for like 10 years. I just watched it over and over on VHS. Yeah, yeah, most definitely. What was the one with Bogart where he was basically uh, like the gangster who comes back to his old neighborhood? And it's, it's basically Dead where ends. the... Um, Dead, Dead ends. ends. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that movie. That. Oh, my, oh my God. It's so hard. It's out of print, and I found a copy at a used store for like three bucks. I'm like, oh, my God, I've been looking everywhere for this. Right. So we and, and, that, and, and that's the movie that spun off into the um, – the, um, the Dead End Kids. Yeah, which was more comedy, kind of like um, The Great Escape with um, Hogan's Heroes. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of like making light of something. But, they had the, um, yeah, yeah. That that's a great that's a great Bogart film. Yeah, I was I so glad movie. to get my hands on the copy because it's out front, and uh, he's seen it now, and it's always been a favorite of mine. So I am pleased with that. Uh, Daniel, you know, just what um, we were talking about, how Tim Burton should have made more black and white movies. Now that I think about it, I could very easily have seen a Tim Burton helmed like biopic movie about Charlie Chaplin or the Three Stooges. Yeah. 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 Uh, but for know, him, it would who... have to be a little bit weirder than that. <laughs> it to being Tim Burton, it'd have to be a little bit darker. So maybe, you know, well, I think there's a lot of material out there. Like in both cases, Charlie Chaplin and Three Stooges, people who achieved such heights of fame, yet they had such downfalls. Almost like Ron Chaney Jr. would be a great topic, actually. Oh, yeah. He yeah. fascinates me. He fascinates me. Yeah, Ron Chaney Jr. would be an 
amazing topic. So, you know, Tim Burton, I know you're not listening, but like maybe this will get through. <laughs> Please make that movie. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Um, or maybe the Tim Burton from like 15 years ago. He's at his John Carpenter phase where he doesn't give a fuck and he's like, pay me. Um, <laughs> fuck you, pay me. Yeah, but unlike Carpenter, he's still making movies. Yeah. Carpenter's yeah. like, fuck this, I'm not doing shit anymore. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make my music and fuck this yeah. shit. Yeah, Carpenter doesn't have the music to call back on. Yeah. I guess being married to Agent Barbeau took it all out of him. <laughs> I, I will say about Tim Burton, Tim I wish Burton we. Tim Burton buried Helena Bonham Carter. I think that took it all out of him too, because they're I... fucking two weirdos together. They were perfect. Yeah. I will say about Tim Burton, movies I wish he would have made was that fucking Superman Lives with Nicolas Cage. Oh, oh my God. Oh. That would have been that would have been something. That would have that would, it, it would have been great. Yeah. I see the pictures of hit of Nicolas Cage in that outfit, and all I can think of is Superman, the lost weekend. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, I mean, there's that one picture with him where his fucking eyes closed and everybody's like, oh my god, this would have been terrible. But there's the other pictures that came out where he's in a he's in a he's in a a better looking suit and it was like, oh, he looks fine in it. You know? Yeah, it was like it was it was lit with like neon and 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 this the lighting effects in that suit. Yeah, yeah, that would have been like yeah. There was there was one picture that there was a few pictures that came out where it was basically like the Batman suit where like the 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 rubber muscles and all that stuff and it looked it looked fucking great you know and I would have loved to have seen that shit. I would have seen it because I, uh-huh. I watched the Burton Batman's uh, and I thought they were great and you guys know how I feel about superhero movies but I really thought he did a great job because he brought as, that darkness a, that he uh, has to him. As a comic reader myself, I must say people forget that in the '90s Superman had a mullet. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, and 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 let me go out with the hot take is that uh, Returns is better than '89 uh, Batman. I, I I love Returns. Uh, they 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 gave Burton more freedom. They did, and that and then they regretted it. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, fuck! What did we do? But uh, no, I, I love uh, Batman Returns. Um, it's definitely uh, the film that the uh, Batman '89 should have been. Um, especially with the psychological battle between him and the penguin, uh, is something that they should have had with him. And the- I had big posters of it all over my room because my yes. mom's gonna be a source. So I had the huge uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and I just I had all the shit. Oh and yeah, and really also awesome. going back to also going back to his German expressionism, like you see that in the set design, and also for the fact that uh, Christopher Walken's character is named Max Schreck. Of yes. course, after uh, yeah. uh, Max Schreck, uh, actor who played, from, yeah, from, uh, which is my favorite Dracula. I'm sorry, Candy, but uh, and the penguin, the, and how not, tragic he's was Dracula, he's Ken Arlock, but they they really wanted to. Uh, it was supposed to be Dracula, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a different it's, kind of vampire. They they've kind of um you know sort of like subgenred them off as like you know those kind of Nosferatu type vampires, and then your typical romantic uh. That's right. That's right. I, I should correct myself. He wasn't Count Dracula in that. He was Graf Orlock in, uh, yeah. in uh, Nosferatu. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, we're sp- we're splitting fucking hairs here. <laughs> yeah, we've got us. If I may interject. <laughs> hey. The estate was not giving out the rights to Dracula at that time. They did sell it to Universal later, and then we got Bella as Dracula, which was, I think, all things meant to be because Nosferatu is still super relevant and a great film. Also, also, if we could say the Spanish version of Dracula with uh, Carlos Villegas is uh, a superior film to the Bela Lugosi one. No, 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 no. Wait, can you hear me out? Can you hear me out? Candy, can you hear me out? I'm not saying Carlos Villegas 
was a superior Dracula. Uh, he, he paled in comparison to Lugosi. I'm saying the film itself, the, the film that, that was the film around Carlos Villarias, who played the, the, the Spanish Dracula, was the superior movie. They had superior I'm, techniques. I'll agree with that um, because, you know, we only get 15 minutes of time with Bella as Dracula, and that's the only 15 minutes anybody cares about. Every time I show anybody Dracula, they fall asleep. Because um, it's slow, it's pondering, it's yeah. it's a gothic, which you know that's the book. But uh, I wish there was more Bella, <laughs> more Dracula in Dracula. But yeah, so I, I'll agree with that because the rest of it's kind of ponderous and heavy and not I, as interesting. Can I tell you about the time I went to a screening of that and people were laughing in the theater and it pissed me the fuck off? Oh my god! Really? Yeah, they were laughing. I was and I was literally like, "What the fuck are you laughing at?" Oh my like, god! This funny. Really Pearls before swine. Yeah, that <laughs> shit pissed me off. Uh, Why did you kill all those people in that movie theater? Well, Why? Why, Rob? Why? Oh they wouldn't stop laughing. This <laughs> <man>. <laughs> Some people need killing. Probably like ten years ago, more than that actually, where I saw Dracula on AMC, but they'd added a new soundtrack. And it was oh just no! Like no, music you on can't the top take that soundtrack. Oh, you, you, you should have heard me shouting the TV, you rat bastards out there, you <laughs> Done, Because that soundtrack is so iconic, and they use it in this film, mm. um, you know, uh, from Tchaikovsky's uh, Swan Lake, yes. and it is, it is known as the Dracula soundtrack. When I hear it, I think of fucking Dracula, yeah. and they use it a lot, especially when Bella's scenes in this film, as they use that specific soundtrack from Dracula. Daniel, I would have written a strongly worded letter. Yeah. Yeah. Well thought out and organized strongly. Yes. Um, so I'm gonna jump in um and read just some positive things that people have to say. This is, I'm just going off Instagram. I don't feel like taking on Twitter right now um uh, for that post. Um, but the movie adventurer says great film. I dig it. I'm excited. Oh, okay, they're they're coming on this show for the next episode, so that's what that's about. But yeah, the great great film, I dig it. Uh, Coolness Chronicles, which is Ryan, who's been on the show many times and is coming back, sweetheart. Uh, he just said masterpiece, which I, yeah, that's all you really need to say. That's all you need to say. Um, Attack of the 20th Century said, we just love this one. Ed Wood and his band of misfits overcomes all odds to create something from nothing. The relationships between characters are compelling as well. And then uh, Bad Council also said classic. I mean, we just got a lot of um positive reviews sometimes one word's like that um and that's all we really need on this film masterpiece classic because that's what it is um we really don't need to say a lot because the film says everything so um on that we'll shift over to sean shitty reviews uh, <laughs> well <laughs> can you can get we'll find out yeah so um yeah this is uh sean shitty reviews <laughs> and uh, we're gonna start off with uh bjork bjork yeah um, why would you want to see a film about such an inferior person? Ed Wood made inferior films. Why make a film about him? Why go see it? He wasn't trying to make quality films. He didn't care about quality. He is the kind of person, and especially of movie maker, who should be forgotten. Um, that's Ghetto, with his one-star review, says, Worst movie ever made. This movie was terrible. I had never left the movie theater during a movie until this one. I'm sorry, but any movie where the only funny, interesting part is a guy wrestling in the water with a broken mechanical octopus. Parentheses, you have to see that to somewhat understand. Is not worth the money that you spend on a ticket. The acting was bad. The script was silly. And the whole thing was basically a waste of my time and money. Um, I've got... Um, 
Brayliner with a one star review says truly awful. If Burton was paying homage to Wood by making a truly horrible film, then he hit it right on the nose. And I've got uh, Norm 30 with a two star review. Pure garbage. As a Bella Lugosi film collector, I had to see this film. And what I saw angered me to no end. I have every Lugosi film except for five, parentheses, the rarest of the rare, and know quite a lot about his life. Tim Burton depicted him as a bumbling simpleton, which really got me angry. Lugosi's latter years were nothing like Burton depicts him, and he should be ashamed for his treatment of this great actor. If he's so into Lugosi, how does he not know that that was actually his life at the time? (laughs) Like how the fuck you not know that it's a, it's like depict it's 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 documented in news and and media like yeah like that was Lugosi's life I've read all the fucking books so kiss my ass motherfucker yeah and 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 so Rob this is this is where it gets to to the review that I wanted to read for you um he says Mr Burton you will be forgotten in five to ten years from now but Bella Lugosi will live forever P.S. Tim Burton is just as as lousy a filmmaker as Ed Wood. What a misfit. Wow. <laughs> what, what's wrong with the misfits? I know. And and last but not least, BC da- BCP-3 says, two-star review, 127 minutes wasted. I actually wasted just over two hours of my time watching this movie, and I want my two hours back. I think the people that rated this movie any higher than a five should all send me one dollar to compensate for the time I wasted sitting through this tedious garbage. The only reason I sat through this entire film was because Johnny Depp is usually pretty good. This movie definitely proves that a good actor can't save a bad movie. Wow. Yeah. It's so interesting. I think these are the people that don't understand um, the difference between a good movie and a bad movie, um, that they're looking for something different than what this movie has to offer, and they definitely don't know their history. That's Mr. Uh, Lugosi Collector. He does not know what he's talking about because Absolutely that not. is exactly how Bella's life was at the end. He yeah. literally was he, – he couldn't even – alcohol wouldn't get him drunk enough. He was drinking her formaldehyde. That part – because when I was young and first saw I thought it was like – saying some shit that you know because like he's like bella what do you want he's like morphine with a dimerol chaser and i've been drinking formaldehyde and i was like oh he's just saying that and no he really did do that i did all the research i've done it for years um yeah like you clearly are not a collector you clearly don't know your history if you don't fucking know that yeah yeah like, especially saying. if he said oh i have all but five you're not a real collector if you don't have every movie you right yeah you, you, you're so great about this like no this movie it did um, sort of like uh, put a patent on sort of like back in the day when they do like a soft focus shot in like the 30s. They put like Vaseline over the screen. We The camera lens. We, we got a little bit of that over this story. It is a band of misfits and it, you, it does show the hard times, but you don't feel so like downhearted because we're uplifted by this. The the, the love of the, the group and the spirit and, and his enthusiasm. Which and it does at the end have our little end credits where it shows what happened and we all know that you know Edward ended his life in obscurity basically doing porn at the end of his life yeah and um you know nothing was appreciated until um it was in the early 80s that he was declared the worst filmmaker of all time it started sort of a renaissance of love for Edward um I know all this shit I know all this shit about Vampire I know about Criswell I know about these people I know about Conrad Brooks uh who had long friendship with uh edward 
But, you know, Ed Wood died in alcoholism and obscurity and porn. And um, which is how I'm going to go. So, yeah, I, I, I like the fact that the, the heroes of the movies are the weirdos, the misfits. And yeah. the villain of the movie is Sarah Jessica Parker, who is basically <laughs> a like normal. A sorry. <laughs> she is she is society. She is the rest of society judging right. us. Yeah. Yeah. She's screaming. I'm like, you hang out with a bunch of dope fiends and weirdos. Do I really have a face like a horse? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes, you yes. do. No shade. No shade. No, no yeah. shame. Right. And I think this is a movie that created that. That shit has followed her for the rest of her career. That yeah. her face looks like a fucking foot. Yeah. Well, they let Sarah Jessica Parker on TV, and her face was like a foot. Yeah. Totally. Totally. Uh, well, I think there is a, a, a section of fandom who refuse to accept anything but the highest of highs of the person or the the, the director that they're um, worshiping. Like people refuse to accept that Bella had his later, lesser years. And I think for people like us, or at least I'm, I'm speaking for myself, who appreciate the sort of the weirdos, the outcasts, he found a <laughs> he. I, I would hope so. He, fa- point, yeah. he he found a place, according to this film, and I know that there is some controversy. I think his uh, Bella's son has written that it wasn't quite as congenial, congenial a relationship as portrayed in the film, but that's a different conversation. But son, where like, Bella fight with everyone, you have to understand that. Though. Yeah, where Be- yeah. Bella was, you know, Bella was Dracula. He was white zombie. He was, you know, uh, the, but he found a family at the very end, and I think that's what people like us, at least like me, love to see. That even at your lowest lows, there are people who will support you and love you, and, and, and that's what the, all these I people did that. around Ed Wood. Yeah, we're going to try to help you make your vision, no matter what it takes. If I have to climb into a fucking puddle with a rubber we'll octopus, have to get with... baptized for playing nine after <laughs> <laughs> And and Be- I think Bella's line in that uh, uh, is, uh, "There's not a lot of guys I would do it for." That sort of sums up the entire film. Yeah, that's that love. He had something about him, and everybody who was, you know, interacting with him, they're all dead now. But, um, you know, when they gave later interviews, they said that Ed just had something about him that was very compelling and that just, you know, full of, you know, fire and got you going, you know, with his vision. Like, you, you just couldn't help but be sucked into it. And well, like no matter what. what- like when Tor knocks the uh, set with his shoulder when he's going through in um, where they're filming, right? And yeah. and he's like, hey, you know, big, what do you say, big baldy, looked like he had some trouble getting through. Yes, no, no, that that that's fine. That he would have had that problem every day. Yeah. It's just his his passion and just his almost lack of um his sort of disconnection from reality. Yeah, yeah. a little bit. Definitely. Well, and and I love that they put weights in George Animal Steel's boots so that he would lumber. Like Tor Johnson did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. God, I love George Anderson. Yeah. yeah. I love that. Like I think we would be remiss at this point because we haven't talked about the cameo that actually got expanded because of who they cast, which is part of Buddy Breckenridge, played by Bill Murray. Um, yes. It was phenomenal. I love just even every part that Bill Murray's in as Bunny is great. Goodbye, penis, or whatever. Yeah. Like, <laughs> when he, when he's at the very beginning and, you know, they're doing, they're looking at the review like the part, like my face really looks like a horse. Um, and he's like, screw you, Miss Crowley. You didn't even Miss- cut. She said, your copy boys do the work, bitch. You know? <laughs> he, he's he plays so such a great phenomenal queen. as Bunny at every little, and it was just a little cameo part. And for Bill, even though they expanded it, it was still a very small part, but he just owned it. No. He was so great as Bunny. 
He's like, yeah. I, when I used to do the stage in Paris, they would want to be in glitter, you know, and he just brought the, like, some, a patina of just like, you know, hilarity and just, you know, just a special feeling for that character. And I just loved it. Uh, Dave. So I, I went through a huge Farley Brothers phase a while back. And when you listen to their DVD commentaries, they talk about Bill Murray and what they said holds so true. Even in this film, they said that you would write some pages and Bill Murray would read them and say, OK, and then he would come out and do whatever he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And it was always better than anything you had ever written. They talk about that in um, Kingpin, particularly. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah. Where they, there's so many scenes where they wrote the page and he reads them and he does his own thing. And it's better than anything. They're like it, that's Bill Murray. Everything he touches, at least in this phase of his career, was gold. Everything yeah. Yeah. And, and turned to gold. We talked about that in a recent episode when we did Little Shop of Horrors. We talked about how he ad-libbed every single bit of that cameo. Yeah, yeah. he's in the movie for, he's in the movie for 10. Completely he, out. Yeah, he's in the movie for 10 minutes and he is the movie. Yes. Yeah. The way he's. Yeah. Sitting on that chair, the way he's doing the sounds and every his hands on his shoulder and like yeah, like it's a sexual gratification thing and yeah, um, this is this is one of the bright shining spots for Bill Murray in the nineties because yes. uh, he 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 uh, around this time he wasn't like the movies he was doing like uh, that larger than life that elephant movie and that, <laughs> yeah. the, the man who lo- the man who knew too little was like you know this was after yeah. he had had his falling out with Harold Ramis and which yes. was unfortunate yeah after uh, at least they cleared that up before yeah right and um I, I feel like this this was kind of the catalyst that led him to uh uh Wes Anderson where he first at Rushmore and then you know he kind of rediscovered himself as a, as as an actor and in th- those kind of roles and stuff and and you can see that kind of like you know wh- how he's playing uh this role where it would lead to him to do and stuff like with Wes Anderson he was perfect for that you know the Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums uh yes. uh I love him in the Royal Tenenbaums especially yeah. the how can you not Especially the, the the behind the scenes because uh, apparently Gene Hackman was a bit of an asshole on the set. Well, Gene Hackman is an asshole, just like Tommy Lee Jones. They're just assholes in general. Right. So, so like, every everybody was scared of Gene Hackman on the set, except Bill Murray. So they have they had Bill Murray stay on set to give them the courage to face Gene Hackman because Bill Murray was like, I don't give a fuck who you are, dude. I'll, I'll fuck your shit up. Like. To, uh, <laughs> yeah, so you know, like shout out to Bill. Yeah, well, even even in his part in Zombieland, you know, with you know, as, where he, they fucking go to his house and and fucking Woody Harrelson is like in love with fucking Bill Murray, and then ends up fucking killing him. <laughs> That's still a little tender. But he has the hole in his chest. <laughs> right, right, right. right. So, are you gonna live? No. <laughs> As Bunny Breckenridge, I mean, it's like I was casting this film. I never would have thought to cast Bill Murray as Bunny, but he's, per- he's it's perfect. Genius. And yet, yeah, he was perfect. Yes. Like it in, in the, so in the, well, and in there's the, so many great performances, and that's uh, Max Casella, who I always think of as Doogie Howser's best friend. Oh, uh, yeah. He was good in this. <laughs> um, I, I, when I first saw him, I'm like Doogie Howser. He's his friend. Uh, I couldn't remember his name, Vinny or something on the show. Yeah. But, yeah. Okay, wow, my my nostalgia paid off. <laughs> so yeah, I was thinking, well, but he was so great in that role. I mean, yeah. and we had a lot of cameos as well from people who, I mean, Comrade Brooks, who was uh, an Edward player, he does a cameo. Um, a lot of people involved do cameos uh, that that worked with Edward. Uh, 
Um, so you don't realize it. Like if you go back to the trivia and you rewatch the film, you'll be like, oh, there they are. Oh, there's that person. Oh, they played this role. Oh, they played this role. And they were actual, the, the Edward actors, the ones that were still alive, you know? Yeah. It was great. Uh, Absolutely. They, well, I just wanted to throw it back to Candy because we were talking about Vampira, and so in, it, she was one of the earliest sort of film riffing, you know, that's what she did. And um, yes. didn't she sue? Um, didn't Vampira sue Elvira at one yes, point? She did. She, did. She, she sued Elvira for stealing her her act. And you got to realize, like Vampira's career, why she was on the skids was because she got blacklisted during McCarthyism. Yes. Yep. She got blacklisted. Yeah. And um, I loved how, you know, there would be, I have to say that I, as much as I, I love fucking Elvira. Trust me. I love Elvira. Oh, but she's great. Oh yeah. There would be no Elvira without Vampira. Now right. Vampira did not win, um, the, the soup, but that's fine because Elvira, whatever. I mean, I love them both. You can love them both, but, uh, Vampira, just how she came about that character is so fascinating. I urge you to seek out information, um, she got the look that we all know and the spooky girl, which I'm sort of emulating tonight. Um, that's all Vampyra. And she got it from reading S&M magazines and kind of modeling her look. And she would take like papaya enzyme to squeeze into that corset and because it, it kind of melts away your skin. And um, to, to get that impossible measurements. And, you know, she had like the, the big press and she was just gorgeous, gorgeous. You know, did the, um, the famous like eyebrows that were emulated very shortly after that I'm trying to pull off tonight. Um, <laughs> but Elvira has sort of her own thing, but it is a derivative of what Vampire was doing. But her career was cut short um, because of blacklisting. And and people, you know, forget that it affected people because um, the ones who it, it did actually finally go through on were people that are sort of forgotten. Paul Robeson from, um, I mean, just do your homework on that. The people who did get blacklisted, like she was like, she spent the rest of her life making stuff like for Etsy, basically like magnets and crocheting things. That's how she ended her life. You know, yeah. she wasn't yeah. cons or anything because cons weren't a big thing yet. No. You know, Myla Nermi died in obscurity and it's really sad. So I wanted to pay tribute to her tonight because all the spooky girl look, the goth look, we would not have that if Vampyra had not existed. Love Elvira, I really do, but we need to go back to Vampira because there would be, be none of this. No Lily Munster, no Morticia Adams. Yes, none exactly. None yes. And she has, her. and she has the gr a great line in the movie. She says, "I don't, I don't have to blow some dentist to get a job," <laughs> which is a great line. Yeah, hold up. That was papaya enzyme for the waist. I actually use like Sean, send me that list later. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. got you. But yeah, I mean, um, read, read up on Vampyra um, to get your, your spooky girl history because now we, we are all fans of spooky girls here. And I tried to pay tribute in the best way that I could to her tonight because I really love Vampyra and I think she's more obscure and joe bob recently went off about how elvira was superior to vampire well she has a bigger body of work because there's no blacklisting um i think vampire would have gone on to do great things and i disagree with joe bob which i don't do very often um you know where he talked a lot of shit about vampire and um she didn't deserve that say it to his face i'll fucking say it to his face don't test me <laughs> he's <Okay>. very tall <laughs> he is i'll say it to his face uh, <laughs> well, um, I, I, I wanted to go into a little bit about why, uh, what led to one of the reasons of why uh, Tim Burton wanted to do this movie was that uh, the, specifically the relationship between Ed and Bella 
reminded yes. him of his relationship with um, Vincent Price. And Vincent Price, to the end of his life, you know, he was a big fan of Vincent and uh, he got to work with him on uh, Edward Scissorhands, which was unfortunately uh, Vincent's last film. Yeah. And he became great friends with him, you know, and the relationship between Ed and Bella reminded him of that, you know, that, that you know, just somebody looking up to a master of horror, you know, someone he really respected and he really revered, you know, and that's probably what makes the movie for me is the relationship between Ed and Bella. Oh, you know, this it really is in the movie. This, this touching friendship, you know, how he's trying to, uh, you know, he he really loves Bella. Like you know, everybody's like, oh, I thought he was dead. You know, like uh, Bella Lugosi. Like, he's alive. We're like, oh, he's a fucking junkie. Yeah, he's a junkie. And he was like, you know, he like, no, 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 like don't don't say that. You know. He, and I find that really touching, you know, yes. you know, I mean, we could think about like, how, you know, the film is incredibly funny, you know, has all these eccentric characters, but it really has this touching story in the middle of it between these two friends, one who, you know, who's trying to like, you know, get up in his career and one who's kind of like on his way out. And, you know, I find that really just beautiful, like, you know, in the midst of all this eccentricness, you know, you have this touching friendship. You know, and it's really sad when, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's sad too that we lost Bella when we did, but yeah. it, it is it's really genuinely sad in the movie because you feel so bad for Ed. I was going to say because, that. I was going to say, I've seen this probably uh, almost 200 times. I would literally, I, I can back that number up. Um, I cry every time Bella dies. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I get, like, choked up. Yeah, you know, when um when he's in the rehab and, you know, all the reporters are there, and he throws them away. You know, he's like, oh, like, they, they, they finally cared about Bella Lugosi, you know, and he's just like, they're parasites. They're looking to exploit you. You know, he really cared for him, you know what I mean? He didn't want nobody taking advantage of him, you know, because he really looked at him as this icon. And it's, it's just a beautiful thing, you know. And, and I, I really like that. I really like that. And, you know, I really appreciate, you know, Tim for looking at it like that. And also, you know, for for seeing his own friendship with Vincent, you know, Price in there. Because, you know, Edward Scissorhands is, uh, it, it completely, like, I go back and forth between Ed Wood and Edward Scissorhands as my favorite Tim Burton movies. I, I can't, I can't, I can't watch Edward Scissorhands as much because uh, it gets me every time. No, I the, cry every time on that one, too. Yeah, the the that ending where uh yeah. she's an old woman and she's talking about the it never snowed before he here and after he came it did and sometimes you could still see me dancing in it that fucking moment gets me every you know, I heard people time. like I was reading one of these articles and it was talking about you know people saying the cheesiest endings ever that was on that list and I was like I will fucking fight you, Fuck <laughs> you. I will find you <laughs> I will. I will find you and like, shove my fist up your ass and work your mouth you like just a puppet. Didn't like the movie, <laughs> to be honest and say you didn't like the fucking movie. Like that ending was phenomenal. Fuck you. Yeah. Just like the ending yeah. to this, I like how they ended on Ed's high note, which where he yeah. got his big premiere in the Pantages, and you know, and he dedicated the film to Bella, and he's watching it, and you know, we end on this high note, but then we get this, like, the slow, we get the, our, our return of, of the take on Swan Lake from Tchaikovsky, and we get, uh, you know, the sort of, like, after, like, what happened after, and it shows, like, well, he faded into obscurity, and blah, 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 but you see him smiling and laughing, and 
um, enjoying and having his big premiere and his big moment. And, um, you know, so we got that. And then, you know, um, all these little like things on every single one of the interesting characters that we meet. Um, yeah. You know, I really loved how they ended this, mapped it up, you know, ended it on a high note. But yeah. it showed that, yeah, it didn't go so great after that. But that's okay. Well, that's a story for another day. Yeah. Um, you know, and you know about it, but it wasn't part of our experience. Uh, they, yeah. Well, that's a great point. I'm glad you brought up. It hadn't really occurred to me is Tim Burton's relationship with Vincent Price versus Ed Wood's relationship with Bella. I hadn't really noticed that. It really hadn't occurred to me before. And that's a great uh, it's a great point. And it makes it a lot clearer, like what Ed, uh, what uh, Tim Burton was going for. I hadn't really I hadn't really thought about that before. And I appreciate that. Yeah, I think that's definitely um, I mean, I definitely know that that was uh, a big catalyst for him. But I also know that he was a big Ed Wood fan. And he really did his homework on this, and he worked with the people who did actually work with Ed Wood. Um, he really did a loving tribute to absolutely everyone in the film, even the people that aren't so lovable. And um, you know, I mean, he really he really worked hard on this. And you can tell Vincent Price, Vincent Vincent Price often bemoaned the fact that he got pigeonholed in two hard roles because of his basically because of his voice yeah. and his. And the same yeah, thing as Bella. Career, like where he was in Laura as the boyfriend, it's really hard to accept because he's not a horror. Right, it's not a it's horror. It's a film but, noir. Yeah. Yeah, um, and then he, so that's a lot of parallels between Bella and Vincent Price. That's interesting. I have to think about this some more. That was great. That's great stuff, yeah. Yeah, there's there's so much extra research that I urge people to do uh, about these characters. Do a rewatch of the film. Um, it is just definitely my urging, and to really. Uh, <coughs> look into this stuff and see that he really did do his homework and he really did try to get, treat this with kid gloves and, and give it a loving send off, you know, like a love letter to all of this, you know, and, and I really think that shows and that's why it stuck with me because at the end of the day, this is a movie full of hope, full of like, I'm down on my luck, but I'm going to get there. God damn it. And, you know, and people that just, you know, love him no matter what, even though he was just Ed Wood and, later to be known as the worst filmmaker of all time. These people were just like everything Ed Wood said. Yeah, okay, yeah, absolutely. I will absolutely steal for you. I will do this. I will do this without a permit. You don't have to pay me. Like, you know, whatever you want to do, Ed. You know, he had that charisma, and Johnny Depp was the perfect choice to play him. Yeah. I'm sorry if I'm stealing the floor. I just really love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. It's all good. Uh, yeah, John, like, I remember we were talking about it earlier and uh, about how Johnny uh broke free with this movie and you got to remember he was still known as a teen heartthrob at this time which he hated yes. he hated uh being known as a teen heartthrob he wanted to be taken seriously as an actor which is i used to watch he, 21 jump street i, did I used too. to watch yeah. 21 jump street did you really oh god yeah me and my sister uh um i remember they used to show it, uh, reruns of it on the in the summer we was uh um, you know, home from school was a, a summer vacation, and we watched all the reruns of uh, 21 Jump Street. Him and uh, uh, Booker, Richard Grieco, going Richard Grieco. <laughs> yeah. Richard Grieco. I watched them when they were new. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, it makes sense when they, when they were new. I was three, so. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a Nightmare on Elm Street came out when I was four, and um. 
Yeah, so it's safe to say I was a little late, but I was in time for the heartthrob stuff um, right. later on that continued. Uh, but he it was never that. my heartthrob of choice. Uh, I had I was a River Phoenix girl, but um. Oh yeah, I just I just got the this election. I just got the, my own private Idaho. I'm oh, yeah. That's 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 another one that she showed me that I was. I came out and and my mom saw it with me and we were fucking blown away. But everybody's like, "What the fuck was that movie, man?" I'm like, "It was so great. It's Keanu Reeves. Like, it's it's so amazing. He was so out of type for that. It was so great." Speaking speaking of that, remember we had that discussion about uh, where uh, Francis Ford Coppola actually wanted Johnny Depp for the role of Jonathan Harker in Dracula, but the studio wanted somebody who was more handsome. Yeah, they went they went with Keanu. Which uh, which uh, the hotness debate over those two because that's, that's a hard. It, yeah. I can't yeah. do it. I can't, it's too hard. Yeah, it's but, a tough um, choice. They're both hot guys. I, I don't know why you would not want Johnny Depp, but okay. Cheekbones yeah. all day long. I, but yeah. I love Keanu. Don't get me wrong, I do. Yeah, Keanu. Um, well, Keanu's still hot. Uh, yeah, I, don't know I mean, Johnny Depp's starting to look like Keith Richards a little bit, but uh, <laughs> it's all that's, that flair. That's the alcohol thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, I think he, but he no. plays he plays guitar with Johnny. Uh, I mean, Keith Richards. So I think his sense of style is, is getting stolen from Keith Richards a little bit. I'm like, you're not Keith Richards, dude. Stop. But speaking of Johnny Depp, if I can throw this in just really quick before we do reviews, um, Johnny Depp bought the house that Bella Lugosi owned because it overlooks. The Viper Room, yes. club. So he actually owns Bella's house, and he bought it at this time of the of the filming. Yeah. Just fun yeah, facts. The, the, the Viper Room. The, uh, yeah, that's where yeah. Rupert died. His best yeah. friend. Yeah. I, I can't talk about that because I still get sad about it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that yeah, heroin's I, a I, bitch, ain't it? Fuck. Yeah, I, re- I, re- I remember that shit too. Then they play that fucking Joaquin Phoenix 911 call like. Every fucking uh, every news outlet and shit, and that shit sucks. Oh god, it is. And then um, Joaquin Phoenix in the Joker did make a reference to because he was writing those notes and he said if I was lying there dying on the street you would walk by. He because he wrote that about his brother. And then when he got the Oscar finally because he's well deserved an Oscar for a long time, Joaquin mm. Phoenix did he he dedicated to his brother. I mean River Phoenix was going to be a legend yeah. and he's we, a legend we, yeah. but he could have done so much more and he yeah, died. Yeah, we in- lost yeah, we lost something there. We lost yeah. a legend and uh, yeah. a legend in the making. Um yeah. you know, and now it's like it's kind of a footnote to people who weren't around then. I'm like River Phoenix? River Phoenix, you don't know? See what I mean? And they're like, Oh, they remember that, but I'm like, he was like hot boy like after that, like he was in everything. And um Indiana Jones Last Crusade, he was in that, he was super hot. I love him in that. Love him yeah. in that. Yeah. No the one's mosquito, could have done it. The Mosquito no. Coast with uh, Harrison Ford. Oh, God, I love the Mosquito Coast. Yeah. yeah. Um, Running on Empty. He did uh, so many great films. Sneakers. Sneakers, uh, yes. Sneakers. sneakers. That's, a, that's an overlooked little yeah. gem. That's Robert so Redford. This is so good. Yeah, when like he anything he was in, including My Own Private Idaho, which I was like, what the fuck? Okay. Right. Um, yeah. if you, if you go on Twitter, it's getting like a resurgence, like a revitalization of its uh, popularity because so many people were talking about sneakers. And how sneakers. Much love it. sneakers. I yeah. love that movie. Yeah. And that's one of the movies that unfortunately uh, links itself to technology, which never ages well in films. Oh, but yeah. I think it still, yeah. it still works. Uh, but that's such a great and what a great cast. What yeah, a great really cast does. in that film. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah, and speaking of you know heroin, heroin is a bitch, and I it. I, it, it kills a lot of people, uh, people that we love, people that we love from distance, people that we love in person. Um, we lost someone to heroin two years ago. Um, 
you know, heroin sucks a lot. And um, there's always resources and definitely um, go back and listen to brain damage. There, There's a way out, you know. So if you're listening and you have a problem, you can always find a way out. Uh, trust me. <laughs> I know. Absolutely. just want to shout that out since we're talking about the people we've lost from heroin. Yeah. And with Bella, you know, he kicked the habit and then died. I'm like, ah, oh, what? Yeah. It's so sad, but you know, he did kick it. He died clean. Yeah. He he got the monkey off his back. He died clean, and it, it's it's good. And he was the first celebrity to ever publicly enter rehab. So thank you, Bella, for being brave. Shout out yeah. to you. Yeah. And he says there's no such thing as bad press, Eddie. That yeah. scene where. Yeah, which is yeah. Well, Ed, Ed thought he was tragic, high, but you know, and Bella's like, "Well, what are you doing?" No. They're talking about. He says they're talking about Bella again. Yeah. Because no one gives two fucks for Bella. <laughs> no <laughs> one gives two fucks for Bella. <laughs> they're parasites. They just want to use you, Bella. He's so like, let them. He says so. So let them. So I guess it's time for reviews. I still have so much to say, and I. Just, I know. That- then you could talk about this movie for hours, and I'd never I know, get tired yeah. of it. I'd never get tired Especially of it. me, because I'm, like, a super fan of this film. Uh, like I said, it was the first DVD I ever thought to buy when I finally could afford a DVD player. I watched it so many times. I've shown it to so many people. I saw it when it first came out. I'm so glad I did, and I just loved it every second of my life since then. Um, and when and it's like what Dave said, because um, I'm just – I'll just – I'll start my review now. Um, clearly 10 out of 10 Angora fetishes. Um, <laughs> I, I would really did have an Angora fetish. Um, Johnny just said he was like, he, he breathed mostly Angora on the set because he had to wear so much Angora. But I love Angora. I used to have a bunch of Angora sweaters, but I don't anymore. I'll have to fix that. Um, but yeah, this movie um, should always be talked about. It should always be revered. Um, and not only should it be revered, but also the subject matter. You know, we have some really interesting stories that we get glimpses of, or we get some of the story. You know, I definitely urge people to seek out more. Um, But this film alone, it does make me smile because it has that optimism that like, no matter what, I'm plucky and I'm going to do the goddamn thing. And, you know, let's shoot this fucker. And you're just seeing, Bella's, you know, on the skids and makes this friendship, I mean, with Ed and just like that that charismatic, you know, just brew between the two of them is so beautiful. I can't rate this anything else. Like if I could rate it higher, I would, I guess 15 out of 10. I mean, this is to me a perfect film, perfect subject matter right up my alley. Um, it's It was so reverently done. Um, it's so respectfully done. It's so well done. And the Oscars that it got, it deserved. The Oscars that didn't get, it deserved those two. Um, yeah, I'm just everything firing all cylinders. Perfect film. Perfect. Uh, Rob? I will give this a 10 out of 10 toy spaceships. <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is um, one of my, my favorite films ever. Um Still one of my, uh, fortunately not now not my top film about filmmaking, my second one, but still like it's it's, it's it, what intrigues me about like how they the you know the whole process of making films back in those days, 
where you could just call a producer up and was like, hey, do you have a director for this movie? Well, that would be perfect to make your film. You know, <laughs> the, the wild enthusiasm, like, you know, and how, like, they had to, you know, raise money <laughs> all the time. Like, you know, to go back and, like, you know, raise the money. They couldn't get it. So they have to raise it, you know, to try to get it made next year for Bride of the Monster. Well, it's like know, old school it, GoFundMe. Yeah, yeah, most the definitely. <laughs> They're at the Brown Derby, yeah. Absolutely. And it, it, it's just a fantastic film with a fantastic cast, you know, with a um, a career making performance for Johnny Depp. It's, 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 it's hard to find the words of just how great this film is. I know we've been talking about it on end, but it's like, how do you just take this movie and just, you know, condense it into like this review where it's just like you have to describe just how great it is because it's just more than that. You know, it, it's, it's more than just a couple words. It's just. You know, I, I, I'm a lover of all facets of filmmaking and, you know, just the knowledge you get from it, you know, and just the love you, you see, you know, as, from Ed as a filmmaker trying, you know, to get his vision across, even as inept as it may be, you know, it, it's just a wonderful thing. You know, it's just wonderful to see like an underdog persevere, even though he he didn't quite get it as the way he's seen, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, everybody looks at him as this terrible filmmaker. And this is, I mean, he didn't have the grasp of filmmaking that most directors had, but like he had that passion, that enthusiasm, and that's what got him through. And, you know, it, it's nice. Yeah, absolutely. And it's just, it's, it's good to see him get the relevance that he deserves. You know, I just wish he would have been alive to see it, you know, regardless of how, you know, he may have perceived it, considering, you know, everybody's shitting on the movies. And it's like, I don't even think people were shitting on it, you know, like you have people like, you know, snobs like, oh, he's terrible. But then it's like, well, we enjoy it, you know, and that's all that matters, you know, regardless of how you see it, like, you know, technical wise, you enjoy it. You know, so are you entertained? Absolutely. So you enjoy it. And that's that's fine. That's absolutely fine. So, yes, 10 out of 10 toy spaceships for Ed Wood. Love it. All right. Uh, Dave? I, I can't rate this movie highly enough, so I'll give it 10 out of 10 uh, limey cocksuckers. Because that's, <laughs> because, because that's my favorite line in the film. That's so great. <laughs> this movie it makes me feel warm and fuzzy, like wrapped in a, in, a, in, a, in a cocoon of just people who love you and will accept you. And yes, we're going to help you achieve what you want to achieve. That's that's what this film is about. He, he surrounds himself with these lovable, you know, schmucks who are never going to achieve anything on their own. But together, they can create a film that we're still talking about. You know, Plan Nine and Bride of the um, Adam or and or Bride of the Monster. We're, we're still talking about these, uh, and and they're they're delightful to watch. You can see that they're not they're not great, but they're good. They're more there's passion and love. And, that, and, the, and the, the, the argument is, as far as did the reality of Ed Wood's um, life really match what was portrayed in this movie? But I don't want to, you know, that, that's something we could talk about all day long. But I love this movie because it makes me feel good about the fact that it's, you know, these people who can come together and, and achieve something um, better than themselves. And it makes me smile. This movie makes me smile. Yes. And I think, you know, sometimes, especially when we, we fictionalize um, or, or make a film or whatever about someone's life, you know, you're not going to get absolutely everything right. You can have a tone in the film. And, yeah, there are some darker moments that, you know, weren't included. But I still think that um, 
it works for this film and it seeks people it, may, it makes people want to learn more and there are all different kinds of opinions so there's no hard and fast rule here um tim burton had a great vision yeah, I love this movie beyond words. That's all I can say. Mm-hmm. Um, Daniel. Eight out of eight motorized octopus tentacles. Okay, count as a perfect score. Yes. All right. Yeah, it, it, it's been said by you guys. You know, just this is very obviously a loving tribute by uh, Tim Burton, who you could tell felt a certain kinship toward Ed Wood. Uh, it's still got all the uh, the trademark Tim Burton uh, quirkiness. And like I said earlier, this was where you saw Tim Burton kind of branching out a little bit from his usual shtick at that point, and Johnny Depp also kind of stretching his wings for the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And so I guess that leaves it to me, and um, looks like we've got another perfect film. Uh, I'm going to give this 10 out of 10. Fuck you! That <laughs> <laughs> limey cocksucker. See, I was going to use limey cocksucker, but you used it. So, uh, sorry. Um, Sorry. sorry. This, uh, you know, this is uh, Tim Burton firing on all cylinders. Um, Like I said before, when I saw this movie, I didn't know anything about Ed Wood um, or any of the films that he made. And watching this film really made me want to, you know, find out more, learn more about Ed Wood, learn more about his films. Um, You know, we've watched his films. I've watched the mst3k versions of his films i was just watching brian monster earlier and you know i mean this it's filled with such a great cast of actors um rick baker did a great job on martin landau uh to make him look like bella lugosi i think martin landau did a great job with his hungarian uh to sound like bella lugosi yeah um he earned know, that Oscar. And and the Oscars are all well deserved. Um, but you know, I mean, I can't say anything more that you guys haven't already said. Uh, it's a great fucking film. So anybody who hasn't seen it, check it out. Yeah, Candy says check it out. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Wow. I mean, I'm so glad. I, I was nervous because I was like, what if we don't get a perfect score? Because this movie deserves a perfect score, and it made the list. Uh, which is not a very long list of perfect scores on this show. Um, and for our first horror business, our first non-horror film, we got a perfect score. I'm so pleased with all of you and, and everything that you brought to this conversation. This is a very uh, dear subject to my heart, um, this film and, and the people that um, this film is about. So, you know, thank you so much for all of that input and for sharing my love for it. Um, yeah, it, it's just really, I, I'm so pleased. It makes me smile. Yeah, me too. <laughs> and I got to yeah. do Vampire's cosplay, which I've been waiting to do. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so what's coming up next for The House That Screams now that horror business is out of the bag? Um, we will be doing um, some, because we have Ghouls Night Out with Eric and I, where we do feminist reviews. Um but now we have horror business, so we are going to start doing some non-horror films. But they will have horror ties. No matter how thin those ties are, they will have a horror tie. Um, but they will be non-horror. So our next film, we're starting with Bella, you know, a topic tonight where we talked a lot about Bella Lugosi. We are diving into vampires, my favorite. So we will be doing Salem's Lot this week. Yeah. Um, that would be the 1978 Toby Hooper version. There are quite a few versions and other ones coming. We'll talk about that then. Uh, we'll be doing Fright Night. Yes. Uh, from Dust Till Dawn. 
we'll be doing that interview with the vampire. <laughs> um, I like vampires. I've been waiting for this moment. Listen, I like my gothic vampires, Daniel. Okay, just let me have this. <laughs> Our next uh, horror business, just for uh, a little sneak peek, will be Pulp Fiction, and everybody has got a boner over it, including me. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we have a lot coming uh, coming up. So that's just a little sneak preview. Uh, a lot of vampire stuff and uh, Pulp Fiction. So where can you go wrong? I've worn this uncomfortable hunk of metal up my ass for two years. I can we get through? Yeah, we can. <laughs> I have so much to say about Pulp Fiction. I, I feel like Doesn't look like a bitch. Like <laughs> no, you speak it. <laughs> can I break your concentration? Jules Winfield <laughs> is my favorite character in a movie ever. Oh, man, I shot Marvin in the face. <laughs> I love that scene. Okay. I'm a mushroom cloud laying motherfucker, motherfucker. You're on fucking brain detail. <laughs> I'm with you, Sean. That's, that scene makes me laugh to, like, yeah. cry I, every time. I have a story about that, and we'll talk about it when we do Pulp Fiction. I know we're all super excited. We've already been talking about it um, in chat and now. But uh, Pulp Fiction is going to be a fucking blast, so stay tuned. That's our second horror business film. The look on John Travolta's face after he shoots Marvin. And he's like, he's like, you must have hit a speed bump. I didn't hit no fucking speed bump. <laughs> I like, no, when his head explodes, they're like, whoa. And he's like, what the fuck's happening? He <laughs> 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 have the gun. Like, I just love their argument, but I love that when he broke their, I'm going to the never roll when I touch brains. <laughs> I'm super <laughs> which which wallet is it? The one that says bad motherfucker. Yes. And that's why joke came out for me and I started, but then I saw it on the internet later, um, like years later, because the prequels are getting a lot of love now. But when he was in Mace Windu and I was like, Oh, I bet he goes in there, which was my lightsaber? Oh, one that says bad motherfucker on it. That's my purple one. Because he was like, I'm not gonna be like anybody else. I want a purple one. And George Lucas is like, There is no purple one. He's like, make one. Yeah, there is now. There is now, motherfucker. <laughs> Obviously, Jules Winfield had an impression on me because motherfucker is my most used word. Well, I, you know, and and this is off topic, but I, I like to read uh, Star Wars fiction, um, if that shows how much of a nerd I am. And I'm actually I'm actually reading a book called Shatterpoint, which is a Mace Windu uh, story, and I read all of his dialogue like he's fucking Jules, like he's <laughs> Jules. <laughs> and it's and it, it actually has made the book rather enjoyable. <laughs> and, um, I'm, I'm not as up on Star Wars stuff, but I'm gonna say that with Disney talking about expanding it now, it's fucking Thrawn's time. Uh, oh, I cannot fucking wait. <laughs> it's Thrawn's time, and, and it there is and it's Caesar's time. There 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 are two there are two trilogies I want them to do. I want them to do the Thrawn trilogy. And I want them to do the Darth Bane trilogy. Oh, yeah. I I would love to see the Darth Bane trilogy. Because Darth Bane was the one that created the Rule of Two. He eliminated all the Sith and created the Master and the Apprentice. Oh, yeah. man. I know, oh, man. Dave. You're over here like, what the fuck? You know, <laughs> I have no idea. If, if only Mac was here. Mac would know exactly what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mac would have been all over this fucking conversation right here. For the most part. So, yeah. We love Star Wars. Yeah. Um, yeah, maybe we could find a way to work in some Star Wars at some point. Um, Let's see, the picking the the movie would be the challenge, but you know which movie I would pick, right? If we did a Star Wars movie. Out of Bro. all of them? Yeah, you know. Clone I know. You're I know. I know. I know. Empire Strikes Back. Empire Strikes Back. Oh, I was going to say Rogue One. No. No, yeah, Rogue One. Followed by Rogue One. Rogue One is second for me. 
Yes. Yes. But, uh, it would be Empire Strikes Back. But uh, anyway, yes. we're going on a segue. Um, I'm glad we waited until now to do it. But uh, we rip up the show. Wait, we didn't talk about dicks. Let uh, <laughs> me make a dick joke. <laughs> I said Goodbye. Oh, wait, yeah, we did. Daniel said his was he had a little pee pee. <laughs> and, and I it was thin. <laughs> and I said, and I said, penis. So we're good. Oh yeah. Okay. We're yeah, good. we're good. Our quote. We've met our quota for tonight. We're good. We're good. It looks like a Twizzler. It's like, it's like it. vulgar as usual, but they were there. The dicks were there. Vulgar <laughs> <laughs> as usual. Um, surprise. But All right. Like, well, speaking of dicks, let's do plugs. <laughs> wow. Hey, nice I'll segue. First. I'll go first, just to be different. Um, Dick hoarder. <laughs> I left that foot of cigarette and I already have one lit. Why does that not surprise? Fuck you! I'm not even high. Fuck you! It's Fuck efficiency. You. It's I'm efficient. Hi, I'm just dumb. Um, <laughs> Cause I used to do that shit all the time when I was high. I would light a cigarette and realize I already had one lit, and I'm like, God damn it! How did I forget? It's right there. Okay, but yeah, this is not right in front of my vision, so there that that accounts for it. I'm not high. I'm just stupid. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> For plugs, um, you can find everything um, that pertains to the house that screams. Um, also, the Final Girl Cosmetics US line um, and our killer palette. Just going to plug that. Um, but it's all in my link tree, which is link tree slash can you the final girl. Um, but if you want to just not do that, which is, I don't know why you wouldn't, uh, you can find our Twitter, which is at house underscore screams. And uh, just, you know, go to Linktree. Just please make this easy for me. There's a lot of things on there. My makeup, the, the show, you know, everything. Everything's on there. Everybody's special uh, things are on there. Just, yeah, go there. Uh, who's next? Uh, I'll go. I'm I'm with Candy. Um, check out her Linktree. Um, it really is repping all of us. Yes. You can you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Shaun of the Dead. Um, shout out to Erica, Mac, and Nico who couldn't be with us tonight. Yes. Uh, and shout out to everyone listening. We love you. And to all of my fabulous friends here tonight. And the fly on the camera. <laughs> and the fly on the camera. Who's back again? Help me. Help me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got one. I, I got I Oh wait, no, I'll save that. Uh uh I uh I was gonna I was gonna make a reference to uh nineteen eighty six to fly, but I was like, that's gonna be my quote for uh yeah. Yes, yeah, save it. I will. I will save it. I, I will. I will let you know. I will let you know after we're done exactly what my quote is going to be. I was just about to say, it, which would have, which would have tied into the, our lack of dick talking in this episode. <laughs> I'm intrigued. Right. Right. Yeah, I'm. I'm excited for that episode that was coming too. So. All right. All right. I'll go with the uh, plugs. Uh, of course. Um. Uh. You can follow. Um. Check out my link tree. Uh at linktr.ee slash cinema junkie where you get all the links for uh, my show the action junkies as well as this show um max twitch account and my upcoming uh show the wrath of state uh, uh podcast retrospective on cinema's throw punch king mr jason statham um i finally finished the guest list uh i got a bunch of heavy hitters on there it's gonna be the great uh gonna be fantastic um I would like to say, though, that um, uh, two weeks ago, I lost a dear, dear friend of mine, uh, Mr. Devin Pickering, uh, one of the greatest men I've ever knew. 
uh, one of my best friends in the whole world. Uh, he was an absolute joy, um, just a ball of energy, a uh, lover of life. And um, I just want to say uh, shout out to you, Devo, wherever you are. And I love you and I'm going to miss you, bro. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, Daniel? Well, as always, the Nightmare Nerd on you know Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. Um, obviously, I'm a guest here. I've been trying to awa- arrange uh, some interviews for my channel, and I'm even thinking of launching a second one for Horror History. So uh, let's, let, let's stay tuned. Well, you know, and see what you know how excited I am about that. <laughs> yeah, let's stay tuned and see what comes. Yeah. Awesome. Looking forward to it. Action Junkies, by the way, um, on my link tree as well. Your channel, yes. Action Junkies are on there. Um, I'm a fan. They're on there on my link tree, so. Dave's only fans. Dave's only fans as well. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you've got those pictures? <laughs> I, I do. I'm gonna have to pay. Dave's yeah. armpit. That donkey. That donkey swore she was 18. <laughs> Good <Sorry>. lord. <laughs> um, yeah. Holy shit. I got nothing. Just if you're not listening to this podcast, you should. Um, and I'm so happy to be here every uh, week. Uh, this is what I look forward to. It got me through COVID and it's going to get me through the next years too. Yeah. It got me through. No, seriously. We're like coming out at the end of this whole COVID shit and it's got me, it's what got me through. Yeah. yeah. It got me through, and it's got me through. The worst of my back stuff is going to continue to get me through it because it's not going away, but it is a little better. And we're all, you know, I'm going to see you next week, so that's really exciting. We are so excited for that. Oh, my God. Oh my God. I know. I know. Looking forward to it. Yeah, we're excited. And I love you guys. Uh, I love this. I love I love horror. I love movies, and I love this. Yeah, yeah. me too. Well said. And so, yeah, tune in for our upcoming Vampire Extravaganza and uh, some Pulp Fiction really, really soon and some uh, exciting photos and video from an event that um, a lot of us will be at uh, next weekend. Yeah. yeah. I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm going, yeah, we'll ask another, I can't edit that out. Okay. I don't even know what that was. I'm to avoid a wheelchair, but I don't think I can. I will be sometimes in a wheelchair. And then do have a special spot, uh, cordoned off for me for less walking because I can't walk very far. We're just going to cosplay as Master Blaster. She's going to be on my shoulder. Embargo on. You'd see all the fat. <laughs> oh. Oh. Below this, I'm Lizzo with less confidence. Ah, She's way more confident than me, and I love it. All right. Well, now it got weird. So. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. Tim, silence. What? She's what? body positive. I am not, and what? I need to be because I'm stuck what? in this body. When don't we get weird? Is oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> we get weird. We are. We would have been Ed Wood's players. Yeah. <laughs> time period. Oh, that, oh that's been. actually. I would have loved that. That, that would have been. been yeah. Cool yes. That. Yes, I'd be there. Bit more enthusiastic. <laughs> to, to, para- to, to paraphrase uh, Chris Griffin, we're so awkward. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about. <laughs> All right, well, you guys have a good night, and this is a great conversation. And thank you for being here for our historic episode of Horror Business and more to come. And I love you. Have a good night. See you guys. I love you guys.
Love you too, guys.